0: Welcome in. It's Tuesday. We're scrambling. We're going to talk about the golf course. We're going to go through head-to-head matchups and props and one and done. It's going to be an absolute blast. Andy Lack
1: is here. Andy, it's the Open Championship. Sure is. Um <laughs> Oh man, by two I got to say, doesn't it feel like by Tuesday and it's even a little bit earlier for you in the morning, like it feels like this week has been going on forever. Maybe that's because we, with our with the content, we we always get such a head start on these major weeks. But like I, I can't believe there's still forty eight hours until the actual tournament starts.
0: Yeah, I think because the pricing comes out super early, and right. also because they were already in Scotland last week, it felt like Act One of a two act play right? So it feels like this, you're right. It feels like we've just been in the midst of it forever and it hasn't even started yet.
1: No. um, And there's been, they've, have you seen it? They've been starting to do all the press conferences today too and stuff like that, right? All that stuff starting to come out. I've seen Tigers had a couple good quotes and stuff like that. So we are firmly entrenched at this point. We're getting all the videos of the course browning out and and all that good stuff that we love in the uh, in the days leading up to it. The open YouTube
0: channel is also live right now. They've got like live from the range and they're grabbing players and talking to them. So there's just a lot of good stuff going on. Um, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks. They just dropped. Probably the largest golf slate I've ever seen like 15 minutes ago. So Andy and I are going to just do it live. We're going to look through it live and see what we can find. Uh, We'll talk about them in just a bit, but I want to spend like an hour on the golf course. But before (laughs) I do that, Andy, Xander Shoffley is the hottest player on planet earth right (laughs) now. Uh, Coming off of Scottish open win, coming off of a JP McManus trophy coming off a traveler's check. A lot of things going in the favor of the X-Man.
1: Yep. And my thing with this guy forever has been, let's exercise some patience. Uh, there's a lot of variance in terms of winning golf tournaments, right? And the guy has basically been a top 10 machine, especially in majors. He's finished in the top 20 in something like 65% of the majors he's played in over a 20 start sample size. Um, It's going to it's going to happen. Right. It's going to he's going to catch the right side of variance at one point. And and even some of these guys like Phil and DJ didn't start winning majors until their early 30s. Right. So I am incredibly proud, humbled, excited that he is. The narrative is starting to flip with him a little bit. Um, and I think he is as live as ever, right? I think it's probably hard to envision a scenario where he wouldn't be my pick to win, but it's hard to envision a scenario where he's not at least in the conversation over the weekend, right? He's gotten so
0: good at two things that when I think he's, under when he has these two things under control, I think it sets up really well for St. Andrews. We're going to talk about the old course ad nauseum in just a second. But when he hits that like swingy draw that he can get like 80 yards of roll out of at, at the old course on these crusty crispy fairways, like that'd be great. That'll play around this place all the time. And I feel like he's really got those wedges dialed in Um, just from an aesthetic without looking at anything statistic. And I don't even know what they are. Like when you watch Justin Thomas hit wedges, it's disgusting. When when I watch Xander Shawley hit wedges, I'm like, yo, I would die for that wedge game. Right. It just he just looks like he has it under complete control from every distance. And that that's like a scary combination around the old course.
1: Yeah. And statistically it's good too. Like that's one area of his game. I know both anecdotally and statistically just from hearing him talk about things, he has worked on a ton. He has worked on those wedges a ton and you even start like starting back when he won the Olympic gold medal, the shot that he needed to pull off to win that Olympic gold medal was like a 110 yard shot that he stuck to three feet. Um, and, And since then it seems like he's, gained a lot of confidence in that area of his game. And the stats have backed it up as well. Um It feels a little part of me says, Rick, is this too obvious? Is someone really going to win? I mean, this is a guy that people were saying was incompetent in terms of winning golf tournaments for about three years. Is he really going to win three starts in a row, including a major four, I guess five out of his last seven. Really? If you want to include the five out of his last eight, I think with Zurich and, the JP McManus and stuff like that, or should we be approaching this the same way that we were approaching Scotty Scheffler ahead of the masters where sometimes it is that obvious.
0: And, uh, the guy who's been the hottest, at least the last couple of weeks has hoisted the trophy on Sunday. Poston was the best in that field at, uh, I guess John Deere, right? John Deere. And Xander Mm -hmm. was the best at travelers. And, uh, I don't, I can't remember who was the best at, the scottish i guess it might have been Xander.
1: he was up there he's top top three or five oh, for sure Xander. yeah yeah i'm, I'm all screwed yeah, up definitely Xander. um
0: here's the stats to back it up on on zander uh and these buckets they are what they are but when you are 13th in 50 to 125 7th from 100 to
1: 125 9th from 125 to 150 uh you're just dialed in from all of those ranges what um what ranges are you looking at for that last 24 50 oh this is year. just
0: his, this is just his pga tour stat profile that i pulled okay. up real quick so this yeah. is technically the entire season
1: the entire season okay so yeah that's a pretty large sample size right that's like he's played i think he's played 12 or 13 times this year or something like that so yeah i i think that that is going to be pretty crucial at st andrews i mean we'll talk about our breakdown of the course right but yes. you know the thing that everybody talks about at St. Andrews is they're not a lot of, uh, stock mid to long irons on this course, right? You're going to have a lot of those like tricky little inside 100, um, yard shots where you kind of got to be creative and you can do a couple different things. And Xander right now is one of the best in the world in that. So he has to be in consideration. I cannot wait any
0: longer. I, I, we are going to, we are going to talk about this golf course. Uh, this is the key to unlocking everything is the golf course. And there's a lot to unravel and we are going to do just that on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of the scramble, but also produces his own show, the inside golf podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside InsideGolfPod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts the old course. It's the home of golf. It's been around for about a billion years, give or take a few. And Andy, there's so much about this golf course. When you just kind of look at it from above and you look at the yardage and the fact that these guys can drive basically three of the greens and all, like it doesn't look that hard, uh, yet it can find ways to drive these guys absolutely nuts.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, to be honest with you, this narrative that had been formulating about 25 under par and these guys are just going to completely bomb away aimlessly with driver uh, was not something that I ever really totally agreed with. I mean, I don't think we're talking like U.S. Open conditions where we're going to see the winner at six under par. But the one thing that is important for people to realize is that this course is super, super Brown right now. And even if you go back and watch the 2015 open or the 2010 open, it was not even remotely this Brown. And I think the reason for that is while the RNA is not sitting here saying we need a target score, this open championship is an inflection point for the intersection of modern technologies and, and St. Andrews, right? And the RNA knows this. This has been a talking point for a decade. They understand. They've been taught. There's articles written about this. Martin Slumbers has been talking about this since before the 2015 open. And to place in context, like, the RNA is St. Andrews. This would be like if there was a major problem at TPC Sawgrass and there was this giant narrative about how they couldn't play at TPC Sawgrass anymore. It is 100% in the best interest for the RNA to be able to continue to come back to St. Andrews for the next 100 years, right? So I don't think they're going to go down without a fight. I think this course is going to play fiery. Um, I still think somebody probably, if they have their A game, can get to 15, 16, 17 under, um, depending on when. But I think we're going to see a stern test this week. Could you imagine if – because there's nowhere to expand this golf course. Could some could you, of the T's, Rick, are in cow pastures, like a thousand <laughs> yards from Greens. Could you imagine if they had to make
0: a composite course with like the new course? And it would be sacrilegious, but like could you imagine if that was where they had to go?
1: And that's what people are talking about, right? <laughs> like, like there, you're right. There's there's literally only so much more that they can do to this course. So I think the way to work around that and do their best to protect par is – The one thing that isn't in their control, obviously, is the element and the wind. And we can talk about that a little bit, too. But the other thing is the firmness of the fairways, because what is the deal with St. Andrews? Yes, it has very, very wide fairways, right? But what makes wide fairways play a lot smaller? Firm and fast conditions. What makes pop bunkers play a lot larger? Well, when you have firm and fast conditions on these ground contours that roll into the fairways that's actually going to take driver out of a lot of people's hands with firmer and faster conditions. So I think I am, I cannot wait to see it. I love when golf courses get brown.
0: The ground play link style golf, completely different than what we see on a weekly basis, where a lot of things in America turn into a track man contest. You're trying to carry bunkers and you're trying to carry hazards and you're trying to fly it in the air and land it softly not the case here and firm, fast conditions, especially with the undulation in these fairways. Yeah. It makes those humps um, more penal, right? If you think about a soft fairway with a hump, the ball will roll up a little bit and then just kind of settle down. If it's firm and fast, it's going to roll further into, it might be short rough, but it might be into a, uh, a worse position. The other thing about this um, Andy is I, I saw Tiger woods hit like 30 green side chips and pitches the other day at the old course, none of them left the ground, right? Like it is just going to open up so many options that these guys don't generally have to have to tap into their brain about. Right.
1: And that's why this is the ultimate feel tournament. And I'm curious to get your opinion on this one as well, because to me, this is the hardest tournament to model out from a statistical standpoint. Um, because don't you kind of almost feel like, like it's kind of tough to look at around the green stats for St. Andrews and kind of simulate that for this week, because the green side shots that you have to hit on the PGA tour are so, so incredible. Even the sand in America with the bunkers is so incredibly different. And the technique that you have to use out of these bunkers is so different. So are you, I know both of us are huge stack guys. Is this a, how are you kind of formulating that in your head? Is this more of a gut feel week for you? For sure. I I think that, so a couple of things
0: also there's seven double greens. These greens are massive. They're huge. So you're like, even if you hit a bad shot, you still might be on the green and putting. So there's not like a lot of around the green play to begin with. I actually think this is one of the scenarios where like legit just scrambling comes into play scrambling is just, did you get up and down? Right. Did like, did you just get the ball in the cup? And it doesn't matter how, and it doesn't matter what club you use like that. I actually think is kind of interesting, but, but you're right. You know, there's, I'm more interested in how these guys hit their awkward second shots, uh, as opposed to what they will do if they miss the green. It's almost like around the green
1: for me gets extended out like to 60 or 70 yards. Right. Right. I think that, um, and I think we got a question in the chat about this too, but you know, that proximity range that you were talking about with Xander, like the inside 150 yards. And here's the thing with proximity buckets. I think they're a really flawed stat to look at just to begin with. I think if you are going to look at it, look at it over a pretty large sample size. I like to look, if I'm looking at proximity, I'm looking at like a one year, even two year sample size. And if you, if you generally look at a large sample size, it takes out a lot of the variance. So like, you'll see the guys that are the top inside 125 yards and the guys that are the top 200 yard plus, like, it makes sense. Like they're the guys that you think they would be. So you get some of the variants out of it. If you look at a large sample size. Um, but you know, that's the thing that's so tricky about St. Andrews Rick is that on a 60 yard shot at St. Andrews, you could put it. Right. right. So, so, so that that's the thing where I don't think you can still put too much stock into it. The, you write two articles for Rick which are just,
0: Required reading. Uh, any given week, the one that's already out right now is is just the full in depth course breakdown. And what I love what you do is you kind of take it through the buckets, right? It's hey, this is off the tee and how that's going to impact second shot, so on and so forth. Let's talk about off the tee. You mentioned it. The, the, the fairways are incredibly wide. Uh, the first fairway is what, 107 yards wide or something like that, because all of these holes uh, essentially run side side by side. It's why you can also miss left, because you're, every hole you're teeing off on, uh, you have your fairway and the adjacent fairway directly to the left. So the left miss is no problem. What I heard Rory McElroy say yesterday or the day before, um, and Rory McIlroy, who has all the gas in the tank, right? He can dri- He's just one of the best drivers on earth, talked more about getting himself to the right number off the tee uh, and that some of these 60, 70, 80-yard shots, these non-full shots are going to be hard to get a lot of spin on. And leaving yourself with a full shot into some of these pins may be more advantageous. When I hear things like that from Rory freaking McIlroy, I start to think, Andy, yes, distance is always going to be an advantage, always. But some of these guys might, like it's more strategic off the tee than just bombing it as far as you can, isn't it?
1: A hundred percent. You know what? Actually, you, you got me thinking with this now about about this off the tee and kind of bombing away. Mostly. I'm going to read to you, a couple text messages I got from a friend that played St. Andrews a month ago. Okay. Uh, and he went through hole by hole for me and gave me a hole by hole description with the yardage books of, yeah, of every single hole he played. So 13 is a great example of how they'll be challenged this week. 280 to clear the coffins downwind from the open tees, but then 60 yards on rock hard fairways until you get to the gorse. Can't really hit driver into the super tiny throughway. I hit driving iron and it went 270 here and that ran out of the fairway into the left rough, which then left a totally blind second over a huge mounding to a tough green. 15, you've got 360 to reach Rob's bunkers. Downwind, firm again. Driver makes no sense for anyone in the field. Out of bunkers right and bunkers middle. Deep rough left. Can't hit driver there either. Do you push an iron in the short, tight area? Otherwise, it's 160 downwind into a tricky green. Not easy. 16. Driver goes into an area 30 yards wide with OB hard right and mounds pushing the ball there unless it's perfect. Drives left from bombers downwind get pushed by the mounds into Grant's bunker, which is 375 yards from the tee. Dead rough left of the fairway. Number 17, the road hole. Needs no introductions, but from the open tees downwind, it's 350 yards into the tiniest sliver of fairway you can imagine. Rough left has been grown super thick. Going to be almost impossible to hit this fairway with driver. I bet we see some guys take as much as five iron off the tee if it's playing downwind. So does that sound to you like driver everywhere, bomb away aimlessly. Like I, I'm with you. I, I just, I, if the course is Brown, I just don't see it. And it's not like some of these, some of these guys who
0: like, Okay. What did Zach Johnson do? He wedged this place to death and it's obviously going to be different, but getting yourself to your best number or to a number that allows you to get it on the right tier to give yourself a look is going to be more important than just pulling driver every single hole.
1: A hundred percent. Right. And and that is the Zach Johnson formula, right? And that is what I kind of was saying from the beginning. Whereas Give me somebody who's absolutely automatic inside of 125 yards over somebody who bombs it, right? Because yes, there are going to be instances where a guy like Bryson or Rory or Rom can drive the green. And if they're a good lag putter, they'll have putter on their next shot, right? But A guy like Zach Johnson, he's still going to be able to get inside 125 yards on that same hole. And that's the exact same way that he won the Masters as well. So if you are really, really good inside 125 yards, I don't think you need to be long here at all. The second shot,
0: um, we talked about the double greens. There's seven of them, uh, Andy. So that means 14 of the hole locations are on seven greens. Literally there are greens with two holes cut into them. Uh, I think it is five and 13 that that green is like 97 yards long and it's like 30,000 square feet. These greens on average are 22,000 square feet, which is basically three times the size of the next biggest on tour, the plantation course at Kapalua. All of that being said, these guys are going to pound greens. They're going to hit a ton of greens, but it's about where you end up on the green and what what you leave yourself when you have flat stick in hand.
1: Yeah. And I think lag putting is in theory a massive, massive thing this week. And that's something that Tiger's talked about before. She's talked for about the year that's talked about that for a decade. Right. But how do we measure that? Right. Because something like three putt avoidance, for example, is if you have a 50-foot putt and you leave it to four feet, that's an awesome lag putt, but then you miss the four-footer. That's not going down as three-putt avoidance versus if you hit a lag putt from 50 feet to 15 feet, but then you can the 15-footer coming back, that's not really helping you either. So I've been thinking about this conceptually kind of all week, and I don't have a great answer for it yet, but I'm having a difficult time like – Navigating the lag putting thing because I think it's massively important this week, and yet I still haven't found the perfect way to measure it yet.
0: Do you like? There's a stat on the PGA tour called approach putt performance, which all Ooh. it says is how after your first putt, how many feet and inches did you have remaining? Essentially, did you give yourself a tap in? Is the way that I kind of read this, Uh Patrick. Yeah, is that that's it. A little then. better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Cantley, number one. Uh, answer, Justin Thomas, Trey Molinax in the next tier. Then you get guys like Willett and Varner and Hideki and Jordan Spieth and Luke List. Luke List is the example of he hits it to two and a half feet, three feet, and then misses <laughs> that. But uh, I, I think that that's something that I've been looking at because you're right. I mean, not only is it is it anecdotally like, hey, Tiger has said lag putting is critical. Uh just think about it. Like that passes the sniff test. There are going to be 60, 70, 80, 100 foot putts all week long. It's gonna be hard to practice those, right? I mean, this is it's a whole different beast when you step on these greens.
1: Yeah. And it's also keep in mind there, the greens are a lot slower too. So you're you're really having to pound these putts. Even the green speeds are slower, they're gonna play a little bit faster, I think, just because. It's so firm at this point too. But um, yeah, I think that's what's so great about Lynx Golf is these guys are going to have shots that they would absolutely never see on a week-to-week basis on the PGA Tour.
0: How dependent are are scoring conditions on
1: the weather? Okay, very dependent, obviously. And we can talk about the weather too because – I was looking at it just before we went hot, and yeah, it's not looking like much, Rick. Um, but uh, I, go ahead, sorry. I just think, oops.
0: I just think it's looking um, fair, right? I mean, it's you've got Thursday. So this is from Windfinder, and and uh, the caveat is always this can change in a moment's notice. Like that's always the caveat here. The old course is ex- incredibly exposed. Um, you're looking all day Thursday of winds from like eight to nine miles an hour, gusts to uh, 12 to 14. Friday, winds from nine to 10, gusts to uh, 14, 15. At least it, as of this moment, does not up- appear to be a
1: significant wave advantage. I'm not seeing anything yet either. No. Um, and of course, it's Scotland, so it can change quickly and it's something to monitor. I mean, obviously with last week, what we saw at the Scottish open, uh, I didn't think there was going to be a ton, And then it kind of changed on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then by Wednesday afternoon, I was saying like, okay, here we go. There's going to be definitely a wave advantage. So this could change very quickly. Um, but I think the thing that's important to remember with Scotland, right. Is that the winds are, you know, it's completely exposed, right? So you know, a 15 mile per hour wind in Scotland on the old course is going to have maybe more effect than you would see at a, you know, a course in a tree line course in America. Right. So again, for me, it's something to monitor as the week goes on. Doesn't look like we're going to get that carnage Rick that I would be hoping for. Um, but yeah, I mean, the f- 15 miles per hour winds, 10 miles per hour winds is nothing to stick your nose up at. And it's going to be interesting to see how that develops over the next 48 hours.
0: The RNA release their official weather report. And they, they make a, they make a statement in here that just says, quote, importantly for the players, both Thursday and Friday look breezy throughout with wind with west to south to southwesterly winds, most likely, uh, end quote which which is just saying they don't see a wind advantage right like if you say importantly for the players that means you are there is not one wave that is going to be three shots worse than the other
1: <laughs> right so i have a um i have a conceptual question for you that i think is going to be interesting for all the dfs players this week is based on your experience with open championships and maybe we're overrating this because of what happened last week i've heard the argument that even if it doesn't look like there's any wave advantage still have some lineups where you stack do you yeah. put any credence into that
0: yeah kind of so I, if you're playing one lineup i'm uh, with what i'm seeing right now play your play your best guys like just do your thing if you're right. playing if you're getting into 10 20 50, 100, like, what, like, yes, I would definitely create lineups with, hey, like, like, it doesn't hurt you. If, if you create lineups with six guys that are going off in the morning and there is no wave advantage, you have not been hurt by that. Uh, right. If there is, and you're on the wrong side of it, stinks. If you're on the right side of it, okay, now we're in business. And, and with how quickly we've seen, you know, all you need, and, what, and we saw this at the Scottish, right? What was, I think it was, um, God, was it Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon? Like we knew the wind was coming and it just came like an hour earlier. Then, and that just wreaked havoc for, for three strokes or whatever. So it, it doesn't actually take a whole lot of change in the forecast to impact the scoring averages.
1: Right. Have you seen, uh, the tee times by the way? I
0: have. Did
1: you see tiger got late early? Yeah. Which is odd um, because he is usually a lock for that Friday afternoon TV coverage. Do you have any conspiracy theories with that one?
0: Uh, I think it's mostly just the fact that like they can literally play until 11 o'clock at night with the sunlight and it's, it's all day. Everybody goes off one. It also, his early tea time is 10 AM, which is not, it's not that standard PGA like 1 yeah. to 7 a.m. like it's it's not as quick of a turnaround so no i do not have any i do not have a good conspiracy theory for that
1: yeah and remember they all go off one also right, right? right. so i mean i know they. <laughs> i've heard some chatter about how you know they didn't do any favors to the uh to the Lev guys which is like
0: right. rory also got like a like a first like he's like the third tea time out i'm exaggerating but like a very early tea time on thursday too
1: right it's xander is it xander rory morakala uh
0: that'd be pretty sick if it is i, th- that I think i might be i think it is um, yeah. okay speaking of tiger so we'll talk tiger we'll talk props uh we'll get to head to head matchups we got a lot of stuff to do I I I got to figure out where we stand here. I'm I'm more optimistic about Tiger Woods uh this week than I have been for other weeks. The Fact that he's already played like 50 holes in advance of of this event in the last couple of days says one this is this is a much easier walk and the body's holding up. Two that um he knows this is his best chance and he's got 9 months to recover. Like you can kind of leave it all out there if you're if you're the big cat.
1: Yeah, I've started to not necessarily talk myself into it a little bit more, but just become a little bit more bullish on his chances. Would you say that you're warming up to him as a DFS player? You're still kind of in the thought process of I'm rooting for him. If he beats me, beats me, but I'm not, I'm not at the point where I'm going to wager my money on it.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. So, uh, because I think that the, natural next question that we have to answer is how do you deploy tiger and right. are you going to bet him outright you're probably lighting your money on fire as much as i'd love to see it um are you going to like i've already bet him to make the cut I've, i think i've made that bet i've definitely made that bet at each of the first two majors and all good there i think at 7500 on draft kings andy like, does his finishing position have to be? Because he's not necessarily a prolific birdie maker anymore. I, I don't think he is going to outperform his finishing position with fantasy points because he's not going to get on birdie streaks. He, you know, I mean, he's just not going to rack, rack him rack them up in that way.
1: No, he would need, in my opinion, to finish Top thirty, I think probably top thirty-ish to really feel like you're paying off that position. And let's also place in context the players that he's priced around. Like he's the same price as the thirteenth ranked player in the world in Billy Horschel. Now, Billy Horschel doesn't have a very good links record, but Billy Horschel's the thirteenth ranked player in the world. He just won Memorial, right? So you you have to there has to be some form of a give and take. I think the argument for Tiger is the ownership will be low again. Um, the ownership has been low at the first two majors. And I think maybe there's a little bit more optimism about him, but I still, I mean, what do you see the ownership coming in? I, I couldn't imagine a scenario where he's over six, 7%, right?
0: Yeah. So I think my first run, which I've got to get on the website. Uh, hold on. I can just tell you here. I, like, that's what my gut says. The, the calculations were, yeah. Like, I mean, I think you always got to give Tiger a little bit of something, but like six to 10
1: feels right. 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 And I mean, you got to ask yourself the question too. Like, do you like him as a quote unquote leverage play over like, for example, Webb Simpson, who's a hundred dollars mark? Like, who do you think has a better chance of finishing top 10 this week? Webb Simpson or Tiger Woods? It's crazy, but it's probably Webb. Yeah, I think so too. Tiger or Abraham Answer, who's another low owned play at the same price essentially? Answer is kind of interesting because,
0: uh, you know, he's been with Liv and it's hard to reconcile those results. But he's like, if you look at like three putt avoidance, he's awesome. If you look at approach putt performance, he's awesome. He has not been good at open championships. I'd probably go Answer.
1: Yeah. Answer isn't all that different from the Zach Johnson profile, right? Like, I actually think I'm under the belief that this course is going to take driver out of some people's hands. And answer has talked about before how he loves firm and fast conditions. And that's where he feels he can really compete a lot. How good he was at Royal Melbourne that year um, at the president's cup. So yeah, that's the thing that you have to weigh with tiger, right? Is do we feel good about tiger making the cut? I do. I like that bet that you made. Do I feel good about tiger finishing top 40? I think I do, but, Do I think that he has the upside of some of the other low owned plays in the rage to finish top 10? If you're trying to win a GPP, probably not. I think honestly, Rick, and I don't know how much you play of this. I don't play a ton of it. I think the best way to deploy tiger would probably be showdown because I think that he's certainly capable of having one good round. I don't think he's going to have four good rounds. In fact, I can almost guarantee you he's going to have one bad round. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where I land on it. Is I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm doubtful that he can put it together for four complete rounds. Showdown in round by round props, and
0: you just right. you just take the information. Because again, what does he have? Seven rounds this year, right? Seven <laughs> rounds. Like we've got no information. So when you add an eighth, a ninth, a tenth, and you know an eleventh round to it, um, we're going to learn a lot. So I I agree with you. Uh, Bite sized chunks for tiger uh why don't we do the props because there's a massive slate on Prize Picks. so here's what you need to do uh use the code rick there's a link in the description it's 100 instant deposit match up to 100 bucks there are a ton of exploitable lines because they just threw everything at the wall which i'm very excited about we'll hit those on the other side all of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site rickrungood.com RickRungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Prize picks, Andy. We are going to prop it like it's hot. There's a million things. Birdie or better matchup, strokes, greens, and regulation. One, two, three, four different single holes, which we will crush over the course of the week with wind information and scoring averages and all that fun stuff. A couple of things out of the gate. They just dropped this like 10 minutes before we went hot. So we're consuming this for the first time together. The birdier better matchups, which we have been tracking, or I shouldn't say we, Andy M, who emails me the results every single week, has been tracking uh, the, the results of these. First of all, they start us off with a couple of PGA versus live matchups, Tiger versus Phil, Roy versus Kepkit, JT versus Bryson, Spieth versus Patrick Reed. And as usual, every single line is set to zero. And some of these don't like... Colin Morikawa versus Justin Rose. John Rom versus Harold Varner the Third. These are jokes, Andy.
1: I was shocked when I saw these. I mean, I'll give you one that I will absolutely be hammering. That is Justin Thomas over Bryson. Um, I do not like Bryson at all at the old course. Uh, the single length irons, the awkward little wedge shots. He is a, this is not your simulator in Dallas, Bryson. This is, I, I, I understand there's an argument for the bomb and gouge thing, but I've never bought into that to begin with. So JT over Bryson Scheffler over Henley. That, Rick? Was,
0: that was the one, that was the one that I was like, Whoa. what are we, what are we doing here? So if you, you think these are a trap, <laughs> so did we, right? So did we. Now, here are the numbers for this. So last week, if you just blindly took the over on every single one, so we, we call these the headliners, the guy with the picture. Uh, you take the over on 0.0. Those are the headliners. The headliners last week, 33, 17, and 12. Another massive winning week, which moves their last four to 124, 83, and 37. So just blindly taking the overs has been very, very beneficial. And then you pick out a couple that you like. JT over Bryson, Scotty over Russell Henley. I mean, Xander over Taylor Gooch. Do we have any idea what the state of Gooch's game is? I love Seamus Power, Cam Smith over. I mean, there's
1: just, there's a lot here.
0: Hideki over Ryan Fox. Come on.
1: Keith Mitchell. What was it? I mean, Matt DJ over Keith Mitchell, Matt Fitzpatrick over Keegan Bradley. Matt Fitzpatrick is, I mean, I think Matt Fitzpatrick is gonna contend again. I really do believe this. Um, he's he even talked about it in the Scott, he got the wrong side of the wave in the Scottish Open again and still finished top six. Um, I was shocked at these, and I think let me ask you a question strategically, I tend to be a little bit more conservative in um in prize picks in terms of the flex plays versus the power plays. Do you think because we're so confident in these, you'd be a little bit more interested in kind of the more parlay option? Because I I'm trying not to get too cocky here. Um, but that I would probably feel comfortable taking a stab at the power play with some of these.
0: Yeah. So the way this works, um, you know, if you put two together, you and and win it, you get three times a return. So fifty into one fifty, and then when you get to four, you have the option to either do a flex play or a power play. I will tell you statistically, putting in a three leg entry is like the worst thing that you can do. You should either rock two fours or fives. Hundred um, percent. Uh, yeah, so the power play pays out 10x. So 50 into 500 or if you do the flex play and get four right, you get five times return on four right and one and a half times on three right. Uh yes, so statistically if you think that you if you think that these guys are like 150 to 180 or excuse me, -150 to -180 to win this single round matchup, uh you should be volume power playing.
1: Right. Which is like, think about this. If, if roar or if JT was in a matchup against Bryson, what would you put that line at just for context? They have Bryson as a slight favorite over tiger in a matchup. Right. And JT is like, He's 10.5 on DraftKings. He's $300 more, $3,000 more expensive than Tiger. So you're getting even, I know it's birdies, so it's a little bit different than scoring, but you're getting some of these matchups that I think some of these guys would be like minus 280, minus 250 on some of them.
0: Justin Thomas is minus, or excuse me, Justin Thomas is 16 to one to win. Bryson DeChambeau is 110 to one. I know it's birdies. I know it's one round. So you can factor all that in. They're begging us to smash these guys. And we thought that was a trap and we have learned it is not.
1: Yeah. No, these, so this would be the market that I would target. I think, um, are there any other, are there any other holes played whole, you know, are there any other specific hole props or, or stuff like that that you think is another one that's exploitable?
0: Okay, yes. So, what you can do um, is you can just go over and look. So, holes played. So, they set the holes played line at 36 and a half, which is essentially do they make the cut or not? So, you can go find these guys and right. what their odds are to make the cut. So, I'm trying to find, uh, I'm just kind of looking back and forth here. But generally speaking, these guys are basically all minus 150 to minus 180 or so to make the cut. Um, so I'd lean overs here. The one that stands out to me, Andy is, uh, it's actually greens in regulation. So if you look back at 2015, the average of every single golfer who made the cut, the average of greens in regulation was, hold on a second, was 14 of everyone who made the cut. Basically all of these are 14 or 14 and a half. Uh, And these are the best players in the field and the guys that you expect to play well. So again, I'm leaning over here. Think about um, Rory McIlroy might drive a couple of these greens, right? JT doesn't miss greens ever. Xander, same thing, right? I mean, this is these greens and regulation numbers. And I know it's only it feels weird because they, you know, they've got to hit 15 out of 18.
1: Like, that's what's going to happen.
0: That is what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I know we do we've we've veered away a little bit from giving like straight hashtag picks, but like Matt Fitzpatrick for over 14, Jordan Spieth over 14, I am putting my money behind those as soon as we go off air. I can I can tell you that right now. Um, even I mean, even the so you just clicked on the fairways one too. These guys are hitting, I looked at the 2015 stuff too. It's like guys are hitting like over 70% of their fairways, right? Some of these guys hitting 80% of their fairways.
0: The average of everyone who made the cut in 2015 was 11.75. The average. Well, um, okay. Can Justin Thomas hit more than the average and or, or just hit the average? And if he does, he, he wins this? Like these are these are too low.
1: Right? Why, <laughs> why, do, they they, no here, why do they have like Joaquin Neiman way under Bazeenhow and Ian Poulter too? By the way, like in Cameron Smith and Will ZalTaurus and Sam Burns and Tony Finau Sam at is lower such
0: a good driver, yeah,
1: yeah, at lower at at lower fairways hit than Bazeenhow and Ian Poulter. That doesn't make any sense to me. Also, so, you get the. um and
0: remember there's only two part threes here. So you get six, you get 16 cracks at fairways.
1: I'm going to, wow. I'm going to, this would probably be my biggest for better or worse be my biggest prize picks week yet. But I, Mm -hmm. I think they're probably, I got to imagine Rick, we got football season starting to come up right, right around the corner. They're saying have at it. Um, and we will take advantage.
0: I will probably just, uh, tweet out some of these because the, the, the whole by whole stuff is, is pretty dependent on, on weather and wind. And I'd probably, I'd probably hold off 18 is going to be a fun sweat. They basically just set everybody at, are they going to make a birdie or par? Um, and 18 is like a, you know, quite gettable a lot. Like some guys can drive it up there or on it. So that'll be, that'll be a fun one to sweat, but, uh, I'll, I'll wait on the, on the whole by whole stuff.
1: Yeah. Whew. Awesome. Awesome. I can't cool. wait
0: getting me all hot and bothered uh the coach looking for is rick there's a link in the description uh just pound the stuff man just pound it uh okay we got a couple minutes left here uh we will go quickly through head-to-head matchups talk one and done we'll get out of here and uh we will be one step closer to the open championship so we will do that after a quick word if you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay, Andy, we've got to, um, we got to go through this kind of quickly here, but we got head to head matchups and this allows us to talk through a lot of different guys. The first matchup is Matt Fitzpatrick versus Shane Lowry. Two guys that in theory should be fairly good for an open championship. You and I have both settled on Matt Fitzpatrick who listen, showed no U S open hangover. You mentioned it earlier. You think he's, he could contend again. I completely agree. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited about the way Fitzpatrick sets up for the old course.
1: Fitzpatrick for me too, a hundred percent. And this is nothing against Shane Lowry. I actually like Shane Lowry a great deal this week too, but I just think the level that Fitzpatrick is playing right now, his floor is so inherently high. I think he's got like eight or he, nine or 10 top 15 finishes on the year. Um, he has said that this is the best golf he's played in his life. So I'm going to keep riding him.
0: And I love when guys say that and like the stats back it up. Sometimes right. guys like, I'm putting it so well. And you're like, dude, you, I can assure you, you are not, but um, I, I love that everything points in the direction of Maddie Patty, Max Homa, who uh just tweeted out, uh, hey, golf gods, we're even playing with Tiger Woods at the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. Can't believe it's real going up against Joaquin Neiman, uh, before the tee times
1: even came out. I mean, looking at last week, I mean, Max Homa's just rolling, Andy. I'm gonna stick with Homa too. I mean, the only concern I would have is, do you think that? Like I've heard somebody, you, I was talking about this in one of my group chats this morning. It's like, oh, Homa's going to shoot, Homa's going to shoot seven over in his in his pairing with Tiger. Do you buy into that at all? That he's that he's going to get psych himself out a little bit? No, me neither. I, I just think he's he's a very thoughtful guy. He will,
0: and Joe Griner, his caddy, they are such a good team. They'll be just fine. And um, I guess the only concern, so the Neiman side of things would be. Okay, flight your shots, and he's been putting better than this kind of little putting slump that he went into. So I think Neiman has a good chance to play well, but but all the advanced metrics from Homa are, are too good to pass up for me.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with Homa. I'm I'm pretty high on both of these guys. So um, for DraftKings, I think Neiman. I mean, I always love Neiman, but I I think both of these guys are gonna have a good week. But I'd 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 lean with Homa.
0: Tony Finau versus Louis Oosthuizen. Take your pick.
1: I'm going Finau here. Um, I like Finau a lot. I bet Tony Finau this week at fifty to one. I think he can win this tournament. I look at a guy who's finished top twenty five in four of his last, four of his five Open Championships. He has a great record at Augusta National. He has a great record at majors in general. And over the last month, month and a half. He's been playing some excellent excellent golf. I mean the ball striking has come completely back for him. I think Tony's going to be there this week. I don't I I don't I don't know if he's maybe I got a little bit too ambitious with like an outright bet on him, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to finish top 15 top 20.
0: That's a far. I think I've bet Tony Finau twice ever. Ever, uh, I bet him. I bet him at Riviera when he lost in a playoff to Max Homa, which was painful. Mm. And I was like, I'm a genius. I've bet Tony Finau once, and he's gonna win this thing. I'm brilliant. I'll never bet him again. Uh, I bet him that week, and I bet him. It was either the PGA or the U.S. Open, where uh, I had a buddy who <laughs> he bet like a thousand dollars on him at a at a hundred to one or or fifty. I don't know what the number was. Maybe it was fifty to one. And I think it was two thousand to fifty to one to win a hundred thousand. And it moved the number, and I at circa, and I was like, I can't watch this guy win a hundred thousand if I don't have a piece of this. So I bet, like, just a straight FOMO bet on Tony. Those are the only two times I've ever bet him.
1: Yeah, you have circa. I was talking to one of my friends who's going to be out in Vegas tomorrow. Circa, they've got some pretty, they're hanging some numbers this week, as they usually do, huh?
0: As they usually do.
1: And they're always the best
0: at like, they don't let Tiger get to 40 or 60. He's I, Last time I checked, he was still at 110. Like, if you really think Tiger, mm. if you really want to make a huge investment in Tiger winning, it might be better off to fly to Vegas, put it in at Circa, if you're going to bet a couple thousand bucks on it because you're getting a such a crazy number.
1: That's worth 20 bucks, right? 110 yeah. to 1, 20 bucks just for our own sanity. Yeah, yeah that's for that's for sure.
0: Um, I took Louis, So he won and lost in a playoff. In the last two trips to, to to the old course. I don't know if his two top tens on live are any good. I don't know. But um he's never been beat, he hasn't been beaten in regulation since 2010 at St. Andrews. So I'll roll with Louie. Romster. John Rom versus Scotty Scheffler. Choose your fighter.
1: Scheffler, of course. Um I don't love John Rahm at this golf course. I think that John Rom is at his best. When he has a long iron in his hands a lot, and I'm not sure how many stock long iron shots you are going to have to hit at a course like St. Andrews. He already showed a, I mean, he's performed well on lengths before, um, but I just think Scotty's playing at a higher level than Rom right now, and he has been for quite some time. So I'm going to stick with Scheffler.
0: I'm also with. Uh, Scotty Shuffler, John Rom has lost strokes off the tee in two of three, which he Weird. went 44 straight events without losing ever. Uh, so I was already a little bit concerned about the ball striking. And then Mark Immelman gave me like the nerdiest, most technical. He was like, oh, he's not shallowing the club at the way he used to. And his wrist pronation. Uh, I, I was like, okay, I, I was already worried. And I guess now I'm, I'm worried some more on, on Rahm. So we're, we're both on Shuffler there. Tommy Fleetwood, Tommy lad who's getting interviewed right now uh, on the open. I can't hear what he's saying, but the open YouTube channel versus Terrell Hatton. Tommy made me some decent money in the one and done last week, but I'm not going back to him, but you will.
1: Yeah. I like Tommy a lot. Um, He played very well last week. As you know, as as your one and done pick, I believe he gained strokes in all four major categories um, and finished top five, despite catching the wrong side of the draw, by the way, Um, Hatton was good. Too. Uh, but I just think that Tommy has been a little bit more consistent across the board recently. So I'm going to side with Tommy
0: real quick. I know we're, we are really up against it here. Even though there have been significant weather draws in the last couple of months, the winners have always been in the worst side of it. Wasn't JT at the worst side of it in the PGA wasn't Fitzpatrick on the worst side of it. At the U S open, uh, wasn't Xander on the worst side of it just last week.
1: Yep. Yeah. Weird game. Weird game. Yeah. Really weird game.
0: Uh, Hatton is just like a very good. Like he just never three putts. Uh, Any ever? Yeah, Hatton, I know. I saw that too. He just doesn't do it. So I'll, I'll take. I'll take Terrell. Okay, one and done. I made up a tiny bit of. Uh, is that true? A little bit. I made up a little bit. You had Svensson and Cam Smith. I had up and Fleetwood. Fleetwood got three sixty two. up uh, got zero. Cam Smith got one fifty seven. Svensson got one thirty four. I'm one point nine behind. But Andy. It's like two and a half million up top, baby. This is my last crack. It's my
1: last crack at it. There's the purse this week is two and 2.5 for the winner. Correct. Wow. Okay. Well, I have the, I'm confident that I have the winner this week. I'm confident so, you do too. <laughs> yeah. Um. I saved, I have, I'm playing Rory McIlroy. Um, I saved him for this tournament from the start of the year. I've gone pretty off script with a lot of things, but I had Rory penciled in at St. Andrews from the second that I did my majors preview eight months ago. Now, almost in, uh, December. So I think that Rory is going to win this week. I think the best number on the market that you can find on him is actually at circa, of uh, like plus 1150. um, which I've I've already given to my friend to put in for me, who will be in Vegas tomorrow. The, my only concern is: is this something that I want to happen more than I think will happen? But I think it all makes too much sense for Rory, and I'm buying right. into it. I'm drinking, I'm drinking the Kool Aid this week, Rick. I'm drinking the Kool Aid plus eleven seventy five
0: right now. So you'll get a couple extra bucks. Uh, Pretty if good that,
1: if that comes Pretty in. Pretty
0: good. Yeah, listen. Yeah, it's, he's, he's awesome, right? He's got three top 10s in majors already. He drives the ball better than basically everybody in the world. His uh, short wedge play has been much improved since the Wells Fargo, and he's been a much right. better putter. And the only thing that you could argue that he stinks at is sometimes he misses left off the tee. Who cares? He will be just fine at, at the old course, missing left off the tee. So, yes, I I very much fancy Rory's chances this week. I have Will Zaltors, which I don't mind. Right, like I mean, all things considered, I've used a lot of guys up to this point, but Zalatoris is a top ten machine at majors, and he was playing well. I mean, he he withdrew last year, but he had already gained like a stroke and a half to the field through round one. Like, I'm rolling out Willie Z.
1: Yeah, I think that my only concern with Zalatoris would be the same thing that I said about Rom, which is I really like Zalatoris at like Torrey Pines or Bay Hill. Or Riviera or a US Open course where he just has a long iron in his hands a lot of the time. But the other side of that is he's a really good lag putter, right? Like he is, he has, I don't know what he, I, I'm curious about what he might be in the, in that approach putting statistic, but just eye test wise, doesn't it always feel like Zalatoris is rolling in 25 footers and missing the four footers?
0: Yeah. And he actually, uh, once he gets inside like 3 feet he never misses even though it's very very ugly but yes he, the stroke looks a lot better and he rolls in a lot of longer putts.
1: Right, right. So listen, I mean he is a guy who will be the first to tell you I raise my game in major championships. These are the these are the premier tournaments for me in terms of my skill set. Did you see this uh the stat that I tweeted out earlier this week about how the difference in his putting at major championships versus other tour events. It's like, he's gaining like one point. It's, it's insane. I mean, it's a much greater difference between the worst putter on tour and the best putter on tour.
0: Andy lack, always a pleasure talking golf with you, my friend.
1: Absolutely, man. I cannot wait. So are you, um, are you pretty much shifted on your time? Like, are you, have you been waking up early from Scottish week?
0: I went to bed at like seven o'clock last night. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's just just like really and then i'll probably do yeah so
0: i'm uh i'm very much like i'm almost there tomorrow i'll be i'll be rocking yeah
1: yeah coverage is like what i think it's like 4 a.m eastern so 3 a.m eastern about so right. for yeah that about so right. for west coast but yeah i can't wait we'll do it up friday we'll be we'll probably have a good sense of the cut line by then too well for i mean sure. like in terms of who's Cause I imagine we'll be weighed into the afternoon there.
0: Yes. Uh, Producer Mina does all the hard work on the ones and twos. Andy is available on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run good back on Friday for another live scramble until then. Good luck.